Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. I'm really excited about uh, this morning. I feel like God is already speaking. It's really encouraging isn't it, when the, the kind of words in, in, that come out in, in worship are, are basically what you're talking about. And I, I do want to talk about sin today, if that's okay. Because <laughs> sin is a, is a cheeky one, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> uh, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a tough one to talk about because it's talk, been talked about well, I think, over the years. It's talking about being talked about very badly. Badly? Is that the right word? Poorly? Been bad anyway. It's 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 been talked about in a way that I think has not helped the body of Christ as well. So um, somewhere in the middle, there's there's some beautiful truth, and I am really I've really has, has anyone loved the the one John series? Has it just been whoop? Yeah, has it been beautiful? I mean, what an incredible little book. I know there's like a bunch of contention over like whether it's the same John that wrote the gospel that wrote the the these one John. One, two, and three as wrote Revelation. Um, I know that uh, Eugene Peterson talks about it. Like, if if you were to take the Johns as a narrative, um, you have these these beautiful mountain tops of of uh, Revelation. You've got the revelation of you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was was with God. It was with God in the beginning, and we've seen the glory of the one and only. And it's like this incredible, you know, God putting on flesh and moving into the neighborhood. This beautiful revelation of who Jesus is, and the revelation of of the cross and uh, and of his resurrection. And then you've got this beautiful mountaintop of uh, the book of Revelation, and that he will come again in glory, and uh, that you see this revelation of Jesus, the one that. John rested his head on his chest and uh, it's the Jesus that has eyes of fire, feet of bronze, hair as white as snow and, uh, and, and a, a voice like a two-edged sword. And it's, there's this beautiful, these two revelations and in the middle of these two mountaintops are, is the valley of real life, of pastoring a church and people, other people other than Jesus, people just doing stuff and being clunky and not getting on with one another and you've got this incredible um, pastor's heart that comes across in these little books um, that are just gathering this network of churches probably in Ephesus um, looked after by this this guy John um, and to gather them into the place of revelation of who Jesus is and the assurity that who he is puts in us as his followers, and this call to love one another, love one another, love one another. Um, so um, I just, I just have found going through this this book so, so beautiful. Um, and we've had some incredible talks, haven't we, over the last few weeks uh, from John, from Ralph, from Austin, uh, from Katie. And um, we just would, we're going to round it all off today and look at chapter five. Um, and just to give you, again, just kind of reiterate a little bit of the context, you know, John is writing in the context where basically this church has gone through, or this network of churches have gone through a hard time. There's been a church split. There's been this whole group of people that have left the church. And so when, when you read things like this, remember this is real people, real life, real loves, real losses. And it's people that would have known one another, friends and people who are like going after God together and then finding a difference of opinion. And then there's this, this kind of cohort that left. Go, and that, and not, not only did they just leave, they didn't just leave quietly, they've left, but then they're, they're stirring up conflict and they're stirring up pain and they're basically asserting that Jesus isn't the Messiah. He isn't who he says he is. 
And that must have been really hard. That must have been heartbreaking. People that they'd shared meals with kind of staunchly standing against one another. Really hard. So this is a church that is going through a really tough time. And so um, what I feel like I'm drawing from this is that what is coming over from this book is this reality that John is trying to affirm more than anything else. He's affirming the identity of Christ. Because this is the most important thing. We'll look at that in just a minute. Um, But as we go through this book, and as we've gone through this book, and as we go through this chapter, one of the things that he's landing is this kind of, um, he's trying to, I just love this. It's like he's gathering this people who in the midst of all the conflict and in the midst of all the pain and all the uncertainty, he's like, let me show you what the foundation is. Let me show you what he's certain. He's actually taking concepts that we would probably see as quite subjective and quite floaty. It's like, oh, how do I know that, you know, how do I get what the Spirit is saying and how do I do all that stuff? And it's like he's taking these kind of sometimes quite subjective concepts and he's anchoring them into this place of concrete assurity. And the love as you go through is like, how many times say, this is how you know, this is how you know. And he makes it really clear, this is how you know. It's like 1 John 2, 5, this is how you know that we're in him. 3 verse 10, this is how you know who the children of God are. 3.16, this is how you know what love is. 3.19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. 4.2, this is how we recognize the spirit of God. 4.13, this is how we know that we live in him and he lives in us. And 5.2, this is how we know that we love the children of God. And there's this kind of taking these slightly relational subjective concepts and anchoring them, well, this is how you know, and he unpacks it. So if you want to find out how you know, read the book again, because it's beautiful. <laughs> um, but this is the lens that we've got to read this book in, that there's this conflict, that there's this disconnection, there's this pain that's going on, and there's this unsurety, and that everything is being shaken, everything is being stirred up. Sound familiar? <laughs> um, and John is gathering pastorally, he's gathering these people to say, look at Jesus, because this is how you know. And he's wanting to affirm in them and create a concrete foundation for them, for their foundation, for their salvation. So is it okay if we read the whole chapter? Because it's good to read the Bible. And probably that would be better than anything I say anyway. So uh, listen to this and and take it in. (laughs) It says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Just remember this conflict, this idea of what? what is being challenged here in this community, and now what John is affirming. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. Keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who, it is, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water and the blood, And the three are in agreement. 
we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. So I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer those I refer those whose sin does not lead to sorry, I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and I am not saying that you should pray about that. But all wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are the children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also <clears throat> that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Anyone confused by any of that stuff? I was confused even just reading it out loud again. Um, <clears throat> there's so much that is in this passage. So much that is in this passage. And we'll, we'll touch on stuff, some stuff. But what I want to really focus in on is um, the way that John uses sin in order to amplify and describe to us who Jesus is. Because who Jesus is is super important. Because actually salvation rests on whether or not Jesus is the Son of God, whether or not he's the Messiah, whether or not he's the Christ. Because if he's not, then there is no salvation. So this is a vital, absolutely vital kind of key concept that John is trying to um, draw this community and this family of people into. So here we are. The perfect Christian, ladies and gentlemen. Whiter than white, pure as snow, um, without blemish. You know, this is, this is the Instagram Christian life. Just perfection. Yeah? This is, how we wanna, this is how we wanna be seen by the world. This is how we wanna be seen by one another. That we are perfect. That there is no deviance. There's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong here. Nothing missing, nothing broken. We, we are the bum. I was going to say something else. We're great, yeah? That's how we want to be able to kind of be show. But um, one of the things that I think as well is that potentially this is kind of what we expect of one another as well. We kind of expect of one another that we're all going to show up every day perfect. 
we're going to show up every day like nailing it, just fully being like Jesus, fully like, I'm so kind and generous and like chilled out. And when you're mean to me, I'm just going to turn the other cheek and I'm just going to be dead chilled about it. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to show up. I'm not going to be moody. I'm not going to, you know, we, we, we kind of treat each other in a way that's like, you've, you, you, you've got to be perfect. And it becomes this race of like, who's going to hold that line? Um, and that's, that's pretty hard, isn't it? Because the reality is, um, that's not how it is. Now, we all want to be the hero of our own story, don't we? We all want to be the protagonist, the hero. Like, everything revolves around us. And we want to, we want to be amazing. And we, we don't have a, much of a grid for what it means to be the villain in the story. I was watching a chick flick, because that's what I do, the other day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> just, to, just to chill out. And, um, and there was this girl who was breaking up with this guy. And it was kind of her revelation moment. And she was breaking up with this guy. And, she was, and um, he said to her, but, but babe, I, just, I never meant to hurt you. And she said back to him, well, no, well, of course you didn't. You're the hero of your own love story. But you're the villain in mine. Now, some of you are like, I've seen that film. Um, <laughs> I know, it's sad, isn't it? Um, but that, it was this beautiful moment for her because it's like there was a piece in recognising like we're all just the hero of our own story and we're probably the villain in somebody else's. But that's a really hard thing to get a hold of. And probably the hardest, some of the hardest stuff in my life that I've had to process is as an adult, I don't feel like an adult, but I am, I guess. I've got kids and stuff and a mortgage <laughs> and a wife. Um, fairly adulting, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But some of the hardest things I've had to kind of process as, a, as an adult is as I look back over my life, my relationships, situations, conflicts and all that kind of stuff, are the, is the realisation that, oh yeah, I was the villain in that situation. I was the one who acted out of line. I was the one who made the mistake, who treated somebody, you know, not in the way that I should have done. And that's really hard. It's really hard to kind of genuinely like, yeah, that was, that's on me. But to own this stuff is super important. Um, it says in 1 John 1, 8 to 10, uh, so we've heard this, at, uh, I think John talked about this brilliantly. Um, it says, if we claim to be without sin, <laughs> we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I'm just going to put this here. I've got a barbecue later, so I'm just getting ready for that. I don't know how I'm going to do this, by the way. We'll just have to see how it goes. You guys are chill, though, aren't you? It's fine. Okay. Good. So, here's the thing about sin. It makes a mess of stuff, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. I've got a class so I can get it off. Um, was anyone else's mum like this? You've got a little thing in your face and they take out a, a hanky and they flub on the hanky. <laughs> and then they, 
rub your face like they're trying to find bone or something, you know? It's like, anyone else's mum do that? Is that just my mum? Yeah, I know, what's that about? And then, what, anyway, so let's get rid of this. Not really working. Um, okay. Uh, there's a problem with sin. Um, because it makes a mess of things, and probably, I have no idea which puts my phone. <laughs> and probably, uh, here we go. We don't know what to do with it, and our natural tendency is to want to kind of cover it up. Yeah? And actually, Maybe one of the reasons that we do that, make light of it, kind of, oh, you know, avoid it, just not talk about it, or like actually like cover up, like full on Watergate style cover up, you know, um, Donald Trump style cover up. The um, <laughs> and maybe one of the reasons we do that is because actually, that's kind of what's supposed to happen. So if you think about uh, the Garden of Eden, the first sin, the, the, the fruit has been eaten. And um, what is the first thing that anyone remember? What's the first thing that God does? You know, he's had the conversation, but we were naked. Who told you we were naked? You know, what, was the, what was the first thing that he did? Anyone know? He clothed them. Yeah, exactly. He clothed them. So he went and killed something. Because it was, a, it was a covering of skin, wasn't it? And it, the, so the first sacrifice, the third, first blood offering to cover sin, God performed in the Bible. In the, in the garden, sorry. This is me trying to multitask. It's going to get fruity. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I just need to get some of this paint on me. Hang on. <laughs> la, 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 da, da, da. Just talk among yourselves. Um, so yeah, so the f- this is not going to work for the thing, is it? I'm sorry, John. It's a good job you love me. Um, and so he covers their sin. Um, the issue with that is, you know, that becomes part of the sacrificial system, right? And one of the issues with that is that it's not a covering that, that lasts. It's not sufficient. That's why the priest would have to go back every year to, to make the, the sacrifice, Right? And even in, I think it's Hebrews 10, it talks about how that sacrifice, actually, all that really served to do was to remind us that we do sin. I missed a bit, apparently. Thanks. I feel like this color might get a bit more interesting, yeah? So, um, ooh, there you go. Um, it's looking more messy, isn't it? Because the thing is, we, we, we just keep sinning, don't we? And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, like, sin is, it's not just like the kind of the dark stuff, like I didn't just murder somebody and then ask Siri, where can I bury a body, Siri? Well, there's a, was, do you remember when Siri came out? We were all, like, working out where to bury dead people. And it gave us, like, here's an abandoned mine. <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Turn left at the next junction. Um, anyone else do that? Or is that just me? Uh, okay. Um, so... <laughs> Did no one else honestly do that? Okay, I'm weird. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know. The, um, have we nearly covered that? That's brilliant. Okay, so the, so the thing about um, 
the, the way that I find sin turns off my life is often around the anxieties. It's around, the, it's around I'm, trying to, I'm trying to control something. I'm, I'm afraid. So I'm like, I need to have autonomy. Yeah? I need to control a situation. I need to be right about a situation. And often kind of sin kind of bubbles up into that space, if that makes sense. And, and there's all kinds of ways that sin kind of shows itself and kind of rears its ugly head in, in, in a way. And we, like, often just us defending ourselves and the process of covering, trying to cover things up, actually becomes uh, that, that reality um, that uh, kind of sin is, is becoming just kind of part of the way that we live because it's the mechanisms that we use in order to kind of like get through. If that makes sense. Um, and simply put, without Jesus, the wages of sin are death. That's serious. Death is like pretty final. Yeah, it's a big deal. Sin is a big deal. And, and that's why John is trying to draw his people um, around this kind of assurity that Jesus brings us. Um, because if without Jesus, the wages of sin is death, we find that with Jesus, there is a sin that doesn't lead to death. How many when we read that was like, woof, we don't hear it talked about like that very much, that there's a sin that doesn't lead to death. But that's why Jesus is so important. That's why his identity is so important, is because with him, our sin no longer leads to death because he has dealt with it. And John is drawing people basically towards Jesus to have this revelation of who he is and to affirm who Jesus is so that actually salvation is possible and accessible. So in the mess, we need to be able to um, find him. That's why all this stuff we've been talking about in discipleship over the last uh, kind of few weeks and months of how do we put Jesus at the front of our mind, at the front of everything, every day, as much as we can? How do we have the person of Jesus Christ right at the front of who we are? Um, and uh, I guess what... So kind of this kind of final part is, is, is we've got to be able to not take lightly, I guess, the, the person of Jesus Christ and his identity. Actually, his identity is probably the most contested thing in all of history. So when you think about, um, when you think about uh, the Garden of Eden... And what the devil was, was challenging, and, it, and it's really, it's like, you know, it's when the devil turns up. So when the devil turns up, he challenges identity. So he's challenging the identity of Jesus. He's challenging the, um, what it means for us to be in a covenant. Yeah? And so the covenant is God's promise to us to, for us to be in relationship with him, to have connection to him. And, and the devil challenges you. He's like, did God really say that? Because if you eat that, you're going to be like him. You're going to know stuff. Yeah? And we, we can't be like him. 
We can't be like God. But you fast forward to something like um, Job, and then you've got this um, this reality that uh, this covenant is being challenged because, hey, if God was, you know, was this benevolent guy, if he stopped giving you all this stuff, you're just going to stop worshipping him. Because really, it's just a transaction. It's not a relationship. And the devil challenges that relationship. And so, um, what we find in that is that there's, um, there's a desire in God to really protect his covenant and to really affirm that covenant. Um, if you think about uh, the wilderness experience for Jesus, and he goes through that 40 days of fasting, and then the devil comes to him and says, hey, hey, mate, um, I've got this great idea. If you kind of worship me, if you just worship me, lay everything down, there's, there's going to be another way of doing this. You don't have to be the suffering servant. You can... Uh, you can turn stones into bread. You can be like an economic saviour and everyone will love you for it because people are hurting. There's, there's, there's poverty. Um, people are struggling. So you can just, just turn stones into bread. Or you can go on top of the temple, jump off, be a saviour of signs and wonders. It'd be awesome. Jump off, the angels will come and you know, catch you and it'll be superb. You know, Or you can worship me and... If you worship me, I can give you like this autocratic leadership position over all the nations of the earth. It's going to be great. And Jesus is like, no, I know what the Father has called me to. He's called me to be the suffering servant. And he, and he pushes against that. So this, this, all through scripture, you've got this challenge of the identity of Christ. And it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's a pretty significant dynamic that we need to but we're doing it from this angle. It's a pretty significant dynamic that we need to be able to get our head around because I think that's what the devil is kind of continuing to do today. That he challenges the identity of Christ in our life and what that does in return is that it, it, it challenges the, the nature of our salvation and the nature of our identity in him and who we are in him. Um. I love how John talks about the three witnesses. Did you catch that? Uh, that there's the witness of the, of the water and the blood and then the witness of the spirit. And you think about the baptism of Jesus. Um, you think about the, um, the way that the, the dove descended and um, the voice of God was heard to say, this is my son. I'm so pleased with him. And you've got this affirmation of Jesus in this moment of baptism. You've got the, the, the beauty of his, his death and resurrection. That he, um, that he came as this atoning sacrifice. Because whereas the blood of animals was insufficient, the blood of Christ was enough for that atonement that was once and for all, for all mankind, for every situation, every circumstance, once and for all. Um, 
and you've got the uh, let's get a bigger brush. You have this beautiful reflection in Revelation in chapter five, where it's like, well, who's worthy to open up the seal? Who's worthy? And it was the, the, only, one, the only one that was seen as worthy was the sacrificial lamb. That was the only, the only one who could do it, and it's because of what he'd done on the cross. And so Jesus is the only one who can hold all of history past and all of history future in his hands. And he is worthy because of the sacrifice that he gave, and that he gave his life for us. And as we read in, as we've read, you know, read in John and seen in John is, and uh, one John is that that reality that that's how we know what love is, that Jesus laid his life down for us. And so there's a full um, and complete expression of the nature, the full nature, the head of God, this God who is um, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love, in the blood that is shed on the cross. And there's that, that blood becomes a testament because it's the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. And then you've got the testimony of the spirit. You've got this incredible moment in Pentecost where um, the spirit comes and there's tongues of fire in the people. And then the, the, you know the, the kind of first preach that happens after it's like, hey guys, you, you killed him. You you. You made this decision about Jesus and you killed him, but, but God raised Christ from the dead. He raised Christ from the dead. And he has reversed that decision. And in fact, now he has declared that Jesus Christ is the Lord and he is the Messiah. So as we think about the person of Jesus, we think about all that he's done. We think about the life that he lived and uh, the sacrifice that he gave, the baptism of the water, uh, the affirmation of the Spirit. And we see John bringing a legal argument. Because you know in, in those times, to have, a, to have a legal argument, you had to have two witnesses. And he's saying, but hey, do you know what? There's three witnesses. There's the witness of the war. There's the witness of the blood. And there's the witness of the spirit. And John is working really hard to affirm the person of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Son of God, so that we know that we are saved. Because if he was just God, then the life he led isn't a life to be followed, it's just a life to be admired. If he is just a man, then the sacrifice that he gave is only sufficient for himself. It's not a once and for all for the whole world. And so John is affirming that he is 
fully God, that we can be fully saved. Then he was fully man so that we can fully live. And so where we're left with is this beautiful opportunity to embrace the fullness of salvation in complete confidence because of the person of Jesus Christ and who he is. Um, Good. Okay. Um, We're going to get the band up. That was really weird to do from the side. So I don't think the goal for us is to, I've got paint on my face. I don't think the goal for us is to be like the white canvas. I think it's actually, it's a misdirection to think that we've got to somehow squeeze hard enough and become this perfect, white, spotless, blameless, perfect Christian. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. I wonder if the goal for us is to be real about our sin. To embrace it, knowing that Jesus covers it. That he covers our sin. And so rather than to look for the perfect spotless image that we can present to the world, we actually present ourselves as we reflect the image of Christ in us as we stand in him, as we stand in his forgiveness, as we stand in his healing, as we stand in the fullness of who he is in us. And as we do that, it becomes the heartbeat of how we love one another. So I don't know about you, but sometimes when I see someone sin, you know, it says when you see someone sin, pray for them. I don't do that. Especially when I'm on the sharp end of that sin. Someone's been clunky with me or whatever. I judge them. Because I'm like, glad I'm not like that. Yeah? I write them off. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with them. There's studies that have been done, and they have like, if you're driving a car and someone cuts you up, ah, oh, flipping annoying, and they're, they're the person. It's their fault. They're idiots. They're bad drivers. You know, and you 
kind of too long being angry and saying things under your breath. Then the next day, same journey, but you pull out too soon and cut someone up. But then it's like, oh, but I'm in a rush and they don't understand the context and they don't understand that I've got this thing to get to and oh, it's just been really hectic at home. And you know, There's all these circumstances that mean that you're not the bad person. You're still the hero in the story. It's just that you've got all these challenges. What a load of pants. He calls us into freedom, but we've got to love each other there as well. And so when we see someone sin, rather than judge them, we pray for them. And maybe as we go on this journey together, we'll become less concerned in our own image. But in and through our mess, as we experience his love, his mercy and forgiveness, we reflect his image. So just three things that I want to be able to land in today. Um, and we're going to worship together to do this as well. One is I want us to step into the assurance of our salvation. I want us to know that we are fully, completely forgiven. That we don't have to hold on to sin anymore. That we don't have to hold on to the shame of sin anymore because it will hold us down as long as it can. And Jesus has made a way so that there is now no longer a sin that leads to death. So let's keep praying for one another that we might find freedom, that we might find hope. So I want us to respond today in a way that's like, I want that. I want to really know what that means because I know it in my head, but I don't know if that's how I'm living. I don't know if I'm experiencing that freedom. But the old is gone and the new has come. We are a new creation. The second way I'd love us to, to respond is that where we feel like we failed to pray for others and we've kind of like um, just been in that place of judgment. I was chatting to a guy recently um, doing some like coaching and this guy was in his, in his workplace and one of his colleagues just wasn't showing up how he wanted to, how he wanted them to. And so he, he basically got to the point where he was, uh, yeah, just he wrote him off. He just wrote this guy off. But the problem was, he was then experiencing the shame of having done that and the grief of having lost that relational connection. It's like, why do I feel so pants about this situation? Like, you've judged somebody, you've set a bar that they can't reach. When they fail to reach that bar, you just have written them off. And now then, that friendship that you had, there's just something in the way. You need to forgive them. To forgive them and create the opportunity for them to redeem themselves, but you also need to forgive yourself and put down, lay down that sense of shame and lay down the sense of grief and re reconnect in that relationship. That's the most important thing. So, where we've failed to pray for others, let's just ask God for forgiveness. And then finally, um, I want us to pray because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to break the ties from our past of the shame of where we've been the villain in the story does that make sense? So the Holy Spirit is going to break the ties from the past of the shame from where we have been the villain in the story and it might be stuff from years and years and years ago, it might be stupid stuff you did at college or whatever it might be but God is going to 
God is going to restore us this morning because what he has for us is freedom. So let's... Um, Gone over time, haven't I? Sorry. Are we okay to worship a little bit? Do people need to go and get people? I don't know either. Um, let's, let's worship. If you feel like, oh, yeah, I really need to go and get my kids, then go and get your kids and maybe come back if you need to. But I want us to respond. Um, and um, if you want to respond in any of those ways, I mean, they look like they're having fun. Um, would, you, would you mind coming down for any of those things? Would you mind coming just standing in this space at the front? Um, and then if you, if you see people here, they might just come and you don't need to say what it's for, but just come and speak a blessing over those people. Freedom, life, fullness of life. Is that cool? Let's just be bold. We don't got loads of time, so let's just be bold. Go for it because I think God is wanting to put a stake in the ground today. Um, and then we'll see that freedom and see that breakthrough. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk or follow us on Instagram. God bless and see you soon.